Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. It's good to be back again today with all of our listeners. We're so thankful to be here and have this opportunity to be with you. We're thankful that so many want to learn the Bible better. And that's really, to a great extent, largely what Search the Scriptures is all about. Helping you get to heaven by teaching you God's Word more deeply, more thoroughly, and more accurately. Most people really don't read the Bible much. Though they have Bibles in their home, they may have several, in fact, stuck in a shelf someplace, maybe some even laying on a coffee table, or in some cases maybe put away in a drawer or in a room that does not get used that often, maybe in a closet on a shelf. They'll have Bibles, but they hardly ever open their Bibles. And if you ask them, what a particular verse of scripture had to say, oh, they'd be at a loss, almost certainly. In fact, many people, probably most people, would have a difficult time if you ask them, please turn to, say, the book of Acts, chapter 3, verse 7. They would not know where the book of Acts is. If you ask them to find a book in the Old Testament, it would probably be even more difficult for many of them. You see, most people just don't read the Bible much. Here on Search the Scriptures, we're thankful that there are people who want to learn the Bible better. And we want to help you do exactly that. Now, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We keep saying that here in the program over and over and over and over again. It may sound redundant to some of our regular listeners, but many others are listening for the first time, perhaps, or they have not been listening very long. And however long you may have been listening, it is a fact that we all need to have burned into our brains, so to speak. We need to understand that faith is not accidental. It's not something that kind of just happens whether we want it to or not. It's not something that kind of sweeps over us or falls upon us. And the mistaken idea from some people that God gives it as a gift to certain individuals well, that makes no sense, because why would he withhold it then from other individuals, since faith is pivotal, foundational to our salvation? Faith comes, it develops within us, as we learn God's word better, as we read it or study it in some way, and as we come to understand it, believe it, and then make the proper applications to our lives. That's how faith develops. That's the biblical formula. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So if we want to help anybody get to heaven, the most fundamental thing that we need to do to help them along that line is to help them learn God's word better. And that's what Search the Scriptures largely is all about, bringing God glory by teaching his word accurately and effectively, and thereby helping people be equipped to get to heaven, to have eternal life with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in heaven forever and ever. We pray that as you learn more and more about what the scriptures really teach, that your faith will become stronger and stronger, and that that will lead you to want to come to God for forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. As you become ready to repent of your sins, that is, turn your life around and confess your faith in Christ openly, own him openly, not be ashamed, not be embarrassed, 
to say that you truly believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and the Son of God, and to surrender to him again unashamedly in baptism for the remission of your sins. The blood that he shed on the cross so long ago is still absolutely effective to cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. And then, as you come up out of that grave of water that we call baptism, you're a new person. You have been cleansed of all of the guilt, of all of the sins that you have ever committed for all time. And you begin a new life. As Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, you are a new creation. As Jesus told Nicodemus has to happen in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5, you have been born again. Now what that really means, all of that is, you have been given a new start, a second chance, a do-over at life. What a great, what a thrilling opportunity. We want to help you along that line. At the end of the program today, we'll tell you how to contact us, and you can simply request it and ask for the free Bible study that we always offer. We send it across the country. In fact, we send free Bible studies around the world, literally. When we say free, we mean exactly that. I know that sub-radio programs, the hosts will say, if you'll send us a donation for such and such, or if you'll send a contribution to such and such, or if you'll buy such and such, then we'll send you a free something or other. That doesn't sound free to us. When we say free, we mean free, and we'll even take care of the postage. So have a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper ready and jot down that information at the end of the program today. You can have that free Bible study, and it will teach you the basics of how to come to salvation, how to be forgiven, how to get that new start, and also how to live that Christian life with the expectation, the confidence of being with God in heaven forever and ever. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD. And again, that's for free, and we'll take care of the postage. So we'll have that information for you in just a little while. We're going to continue in our study that we began last time, entitled Christ-Centered Christianity. Well, as I said earlier in the introductory remarks, most people just don't read the Bible very much. And since that is the case, most people really do not understand Christianity very well. Oh, they have heard the word. They may even refer to themselves as Christians, whether or not that is really accurate. But they really don't understand what Christianity is, what it is all about, what the Christian life really is. Christ-centered Christianity. Some people become converted primarily to a preacher. We looked in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, and saw the example that the Apostle Paul used in writing to the church at Corinth, how that is an unscriptural, even an ungodly principle. You should not be converted primarily to a preacher. A preacher is a man. He is simply a human being. He makes mistakes. He's not your savior. Some people are converted primarily to other Christians. Now, what I mean by this is they have really good friends in a particular church, or maybe they even have family members in a particular church, 
And so that motivates them to gravitate toward that church, and they're really more attached or more committed to those friends or family members than they are to Christ. So they're more converted to other Christians or other people than they are to their Lord and Savior. Some people are converted primarily to a denomination. Well, again, people will say things like, I was born a particular denomination, and I will die a member of a particular denomination. Well, again, that's not a very sound principle for your Christian life. We need to be converted. We need to be baptized into Christ. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, and I, you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, Paul said, As many of you as have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death. We're baptized into Christ. We're not baptized into a preacher or into other Christians or even into a denomination, but we're baptized into Christ. We come to Christ for that forgiveness and that eternal rest and eternal life. Again, he called all to come to him and he would give us rest. Our lives need to be centered on Christ, not on something else or on somebody else. We learn a great lesson along this line in a rather detailed fashion from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, I'd like to read the first four verses to kind of get us started today. Paul wrote, again, he's writing this to the Christians in Corinth, to the church at Corinth. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you are not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal? and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Well, there is a word there that is very key, and Paul uses it several times in those few verses, and it is the word carnal. He talks about carnality or being carnal in verse 1. He uses that same word again in verse 3, and he uses it again in verse 4. So in three out of those four verses, he is referring to them or trying to rebuke them about being carnal. What does that word mean? It means simply worldly or of the world. You see, when something is carnal, it is of the flesh or is of the world. It is worldly. Why would Paul refer to these Christians at Corinth as being carnal or being still of the world or having more of a fleshly nature than a spiritual nature in their present Christian lives? 
Well, there is a time by which we need to become spiritually mature Christians. We begin our Christian life, as we talked about earlier in our introductory remarks, as we are reborn into Christ. As we are made new, we become that new creation. We're at the beginning point. And we're referred to in the scriptures at different times as spiritual babes or babies or infants in Christ. Now, we begin that way. That's natural. We come out of the starting blocks as Christians, so to speak, as brand new Christians, babes in Christ. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may be able to grow thereby. So it's natural then for us to, when we first become Christians, to realize that we are babes in Christ. We are spiritual infants. We are just beginning. So you might say, well, why does Paul rebuke them then for being carnal or fleshly? Or why is he calling them by that particular name uh, if, they, if it's normal for us, natural for us, to be newborn babes in Christ? Well, let's go a little bit further. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 5 and beginning with verse 12. And here the Hebrews writer says, and he's writing this to Christians again, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe or an infant. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, did you see the contrast between what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and what the Hebrews writer wrote in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14? They're not contradicting one another. Peter is simply pointing to a point in the new Christian's life when he needs to begin with the milk of the word. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, he says. Now here's key though, point, that he goes on and and says, desire that pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. When we have a new baby born into a family, physically, what do we feed that new baby? Milk, formula. When they get to some solid food, it's kind of a cereal kind of solid food. Pablum, uh, to me, it looks kind of (laughs) not appetizing, but for that baby, he's just learning how to eat, and it has the nutrients that he needs, and he's beginning to get into solid food. But he begins with the milk. And even when he starts to get that cereal, he's still going to get the milk for quite a while. But that baby, we want it to grow. 
We want it to get past the milk of infancy and that early solid food of just the pablum. We want it to get to the meat, to the vegetables, to the normal solid food that that baby is going to need for the nutrients and for the nutrition and the protein to be able to grow physically and become strong and mature physically. Now there's the contrast between what Peter wrote and what the Hebrews writer wrote. The Hebrews writer is saying you need to grow past just the milk of the word. You need to get into the meat of the word. You need to grow up in Christ. You need to become strong, mature Christians. In fact, if you look again at Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, he says, by this time you ought to be teachers. But you have not matured to that point. You still need someone to teach you the first principles of the oracles of God or of the word of God. In other words, the very basics. You haven't gotten into the deeper matters and you have come to need milk and not solid food. You're still on baby food is what he's saying. Well, we need to grow up in Christ. We need to get beyond the baby food. We need to become strong, mature Christians spiritually. The Apostle Paul wrote along this line in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. He's telling the Christians at Ephesus that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. Christ. So Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, the Christians there, you need to grow up spiritually. You need to grow up in Christ. And he's not just telling them that particular point of truth, but he's telling all of us who had become true Christians that we can't stay in the baby Christian state for all of our lives. We need to grow up in Christ. As the Hebrews writer says, we need to get to the point where we can become the teachers of others who need to learn the milk of the word of God's word, the milk of the scriptures. They need to learn the very basics. They need to learn how to be forgiven of their sins, how to become a Christian, how to get to heaven. And we need to be the teachers who can help them along that line. But the Hebrews writer says, you're not there. You still need the milk of the word yourself. You still need the baby food. And so Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, as we read a moment ago, you need to grow up spiritually. You need to become adult Christians, grown-up Christians. Now let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And as we come to the close of our program today, let me read the next several verses, verses 5 through 9. Paul goes on and he says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. 
for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Preachers and other Christians are human. Therefore, we are weak. We are fallible. We make mistakes just like every other human being. Now, we need to be careful, but every human being who becomes a Christian needs to be careful to dig into God's word, to try to do better and better as we come to understand God's will more and more through our studies in his word. But preachers, again, and all Christians are human beings, and all of us, we have our weaknesses, we make mistakes. So Paul is is talking to the Christians at Corinth, to the church at Corinth, and he says you need to recognize that fact. You don't follow preachers primarily. Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? They're just ministers through whom you believed. And he could have named other preachers as well. As the Lord gave to each one, he says, hey, I was there first. I planted the word. I worked with the congregation there. I worked with you there. Apollos came in after me, and he watered the soil, the spiritual soil, so to speak. But it was God who gave the increase. It's not the preacher. It's God. It's God's word, the power of God, the wisdom of God is communicated in his word. And that's where we need to keep our focus. That's what we need to always realize. God's word is the guidance that God has provided for us to become the Christians that he wants us to be. We'll come back to that particular section of 1 Corinthians chapter 3 next time. Just wanted to get a little bit in there and kind of whet your appetite, so to speak. Christ-centered Christianity. That's where we need to be. Now, in just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us. Write down that information, and you can receive that free Bible study that will help you understand how to become a Christian, how to be forgiven, how to be saved, but also how to live that faithful, dedicated, committed Christian life with the expectation and the confidence that you will, after this life is over, enjoy eternal life with your Lord and Savior in heaven. Write down that information and then contact us. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD again for free. And in both cases, we'll take care of the postage. We hope to hear from you right away.